0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 249. Have you ever dreamed of getting married on a Royal Caribbean cruise? After all, combining the memories of a wedding with the backdrop of a Royal Caribbean cruise seems like a match made in vacation heaven. This week, we talk with a Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast listener who did just that and had her dream wedding on board Harmony of the Seas. We talk about why she chose to get married on board, what her experience was like, and what other soon-to-be-weds should consider. Here we go. I've never wanted to shy away from an excuse to go on a real Caribbean cruise, but for many folks, a great excuse to take a real Caribbean cruise is to actually get married on a real Caribbean cruise. Did you know you could do that? Yeah. In fact, it happens a lot more often than you think, and getting married on a real Caribbean can be a great way to allow your friends and family to join you on your very special day and also enjoy a wonderful cruise vacation with Summer them it's, it's all good. So this week, we're actually going to be talking to somebody who just took a their own wedding on board Royal Caribbean, combining the best of both worlds a beautiful wedding ceremony with an even awesome cruise, honeymoon, vacation, celebration, extravaganza. And uh, to join me here today, we've got a very good friend of mine, Beth Egner Dewey, who, uh, first of all, congratulations, Beth!
1: Ah, thank you, Matt. It's pretty fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Now, Beth, you got married on Harmony of the Seas, and uh, a big deal because, of course, I was actually well, I was on the same ship as Beth when she got uh, proposed to, which is even more special. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you got the opportunity to get married on Harmony. So let's let's back up a second, though, Beth, because I, I want to dive into the female mind. We've only got like we can do that. We can do that in like thirty minutes or less, right?
1: Oh, of course. No problem.
0: It's (laughs) really not
1: that mysterious.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about this. Talk to us about why you picked a cruise as your wedding ceremony option.
1: Well, even before Gordon had proposed, um, both of us were separately thinking, you know, a wedding on a cruise might be really fun. Um. And my family had already had a cruise booked on Harmony uh, for this past April. And Gordon's family mostly lives in Florida. So easy peasy destination wedding, get married on Harmony of the Seas on embarkation day. And my family and whoever, whatever friends want to join us, we can sail away. Uh, Everyone else can come for the ceremony, reception, and then get off and go their own way. Minimal Uh must, minimal fuss.
0: Absolutely. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Talk to us about that option because you can have your wedding. Obviously, your wedding has to take place uh, on embarkation day for, for the mm-hmm. option for people not to join you on the sailing, right? Correct. And how does yes. it work with people? Talk to us about the uh, – we're going to jump into the whole planning process here, but this mm-hmm. is all done through Royal. Um, how does it work for people that want to join you for the ceremony but can't or are unable to join you for the actual cruise?
1: It's a little more planning for the bride and groom, but essentially, um, we just have to have RSVPs by 30 days in advance of the wedding. So at that time, I then get everyone's, uh, their legal name, what form of ID they're going to use to get on the ship, either a passport, driver's license, state ID, something of that nature. Uh, Then I have to provide Royal with full name, birth date, passport, or driver's license number, expiration date, all that good stuff. Cool. Uh, put it in a spreadsheet, send it to my wedding planner.
0: So that's good to know, though. If anyone is thinking mm-hmm. about planning a wedding on a Royal Caribbean cruise, they don't have to sail with you. Certainly, that'd be wonderful if that's the case, or depending on your perspective, right. maybe you don't want them to sail <laughs> with you, but
1: <laughs> but yeah. you do have
0: that option there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So you worked with, uh, with Royal. Talk to us about how you mm-hmm. approached this. Did you just uh, did you go to the Royal Caribbean Weddings website? Did you call somebody? How did you uh, start the whole process?
1: Well, the whole process started. Um, I did go to the RoyalCaribbean.com slash weddings, and I emailed for information, and I didn't hear anything back for a week. So I'm like, okay, I've heard this can be an issue, reading reviews of getting married on Royal, um, that communication can be difficult. Mm -hmm. But then I went ahead and called Royal Wed, which is a contractor with Royal Caribbean who puts on like, you know, Royal Wedding events um, on multiple cruise lines. And within minutes of calling, I had a email with all the information um, with prices, options, all that great stuff and contract. Easy peasy.
0: Nice. Now talk to us about what are the options. Are there packages? Is it a la carte? How does that kind of work?
1: Well, there are different packages. So along with the Embarkation Day package, which is obviously the one we went with, there's like the Vows at Sea, and there's like the Intimately Yours. Um, And then they also have the option of you can get married at one of your uh, ports of call as well, Hmm. which is pretty cool. But once we, you know, it's like, okay, we're doing the embarkation day wedding, they then send you an information packet where you choose, um, like, what type of wedding cake you want, what type of food you want, Um, you know, music, you can choose from their options for pre and during the ceremony, or you can bring your own. It's pretty much like multiple choice, and you just check the boxes.
0: Okay, that's pretty easy and sounds easy and simple enough even for a guy to understand.
1: Uh, Pretty much. You could do it, Matt. I have Jake. (laughs)
0: Um, So you pick out the options. You obviously, you're actually the decision, I guess, was kind of easy for you in terms of what ship to go on because, uh, like you said, your family was already going on Harmony of the Seas. Uh, Obviously, a new ship on Harmony. In fact, you got to be fair, you also got engaged on Harmony of the Seas, so that was kind of a, a neat option there. What venues did you have a choice of?
1: The two options they gave, well, I don't want to say they gave us, but they told us we would get one of two options. Okay. Um, it was either going to be Dazzles or Jazz yep. on Four. Ooh. And supposedly, I wasn't going to find out which one we were going to get until about 30 days in advance, um, mm. just to see what other events they might have going on and what coordinates best with like ship schedule stuff. Of course, I was praying and very adamant that I wanted dazzles first and foremost. Um, And luckily, we got dazzles.
0: Oh, that worked out really well. Then I guess
1: it did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The uh, in terms of the venues, uh, when you're when you're picking these spots here, also Mm -hmm. are there any? uh, Did the amount of people you have factor into it, or is it just really like it's kind of what you have a preference, but kind of also what logistically works best for the cruise line? (sighs)
1: the latter um you know they pretty much only had those two options Got it. and the number of people like i know the jazz on four the limit on that was 100 people and we wanted the small wedding we only had about 25 people there so you know i was worried that if there's another bigger wedding we'd be shuffled into jazz on four but there wasn't so luckily only even with our small wedding we're able to have dazzles
0: Sounds good. One of the questions yeah. I've heard a lot about, um, I don't know if you know the answer to it, Can you? was there an option to get married by the captain? Who was the officiant, if not?
1: Okay, there is an option to get married by the captain if you are doing the vows at sea. But on embarkation uh. day, there is not because captain's way too busy to deal with me. Um, <laughs> so what we had, uh, we had the option of having an officiant, but I actually had my brother Kirk um, perform the ceremony. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so he was able to get you know ordained online for Florida and everything. It was all free, and he was able to you know put together um, the ceremony that we wanted, and it was awesome.
0: Now let me ask you this question, Beth. Uh, this is something I remember from my wedding. It's been a little few years now. How do you handle the name changing before the cruise? Because, of course, as you know, and many of our listeners know, when mm-hmm. you go on a cruise, no matter getting married or not, you have to have your name, <laughs> uh, your legal name, on your matchup with your with with what's on all your documents, like your passport and whatnot, did you elect to change your name after the wedding or how did well, you handle that? It definitely, whole
1: thing? it definitely has to be after the wedding. Um, so because I have to have the actual marriage license ah. in order to start that whole process. So I'm still waiting on that right now, but you know That's for all that, intents that. and purposes, I'm still Beth Igner-Dealy.
0: <laughs> okay, good, but that, at least for the purposes of pr- yep. planning the cruise, the good news is you don't yeah. have to worry about doing that beforehand, and you know all no, that. So no, no.
1: Oh, god, that would be a headache.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, talk to us about the experience. Looking back at it, Beth, what did you like about the about having the wedding on Royal Caribbean?
1: The lack of stress involved. Um, I'm very much a planner in my regular everyday life. I'm you know, i the one who always knows what's going on, what restaurant, how do we get there, all that sort of stuff. Uh, if we're going on vacation, like to Disney, I have a plan, touring plan. That's what would I do. But for some reason, with a wedding, I did not want to have to deal with any of that. I just wanted to show up, look pretty, and get married. <laughs> and... This absolutely allowed me to do that. Um, Most of the communication was all via email uh, with my wedding planner, who actually switched (laughs) 30 days before I got married. Um, Because the woman that I had been using left the company. And so I got a new one. But luckily at that point, everything was pretty much set. So I had everything down. I had passed along all the schedule stuff, um, what type of group photos we wanted, all of that. And I didn't really have to worry about anything. I didn't have to worry about finding a caterer, a photographer, someone to do the cake, any of that, a DJ, none of that. It was all taken care of. It was awesome.
0: You know, I mean, that sounds great because I don't know if you experienced this because obviously your wedding was on a cruise ship. But our honeymoon was on a cruise ship. And but our wedding was on land. But anyway, the point of the story was that when um, it was one of the only times in my life where I because you're so preoccupied with the wedding, like it was so weird to me because we were like, oh, we're going on a cruise tomorrow. Like after the wedding was kind of over and it was kind of winding down, like it was a very surreal moment because. Like you said, Beth, you're very – like me, we're, we're both very planning kind of people, right? It's always this like mm-hmm. how many days until our trip and all these things you're looking forward to. <laughs> yes. And it kind of sneaks up on you because you're so preoccupied with the wedding. It's such a big deal that uh, – did you experience that at all? I don't know if it's like – if it's a different than being on a ship it obviously changes the, the structure of it.
1: It definitely changed the structure of it because it's like, OK, I got to pack for it all. Um, <laughs> and I had to – you know, transport this big old wedding dress with the train, which I was never planning on through the airport. Um, it wasn't, you know, it just created an extra anticipation of it all Mm. of having both the wedding and the cruise all in one and having, you know, those nearest and dearest there with me to join us.
0: That makes sense. When you're uh, yeah. when you're looking back on it also, if someone were to come up and say, Beth, I want to get married on a cruise ship. Today. This sounds awesome. What would be some uh, tips or recommendations you might have for them?
1: I would definitely say um, you have to just have faith that it's going to work out. You cannot be a micromanager on this. <laughs> uh, do what you can and then let it go because it's going to happen and things are not going to be in your control. Um, luckily, everything for us, it was almost – exactly what we wanted and things that weren't exactly what we wanted were pretty darn unimportant um and you just have to be a little mellow and go with the flow okay
0: that, i mean that, that's yeah. a, that's probably good advice for honestly any kind of wedding is just that you know
1: it's true but it's a lot yeah. easier when you can't like be like okay is a caterer here is a photographer here is the dj setting up in time all that stuff is done
0: Absolutely. Um, Is there something that you would go back and change about your wedding now, looking back on it?
1: Um, The only thing I would do a little different is not take as long for photos after the wedding because we were away from our friends and family then um, in Mm. our limited time. But we had a very enthusiastic photographer, Rakesh, who was awesome, and he just wanted to take us all over the ship to get photos, (laughs) which was pretty cool. But by the end, we're both like, okay, we're we're done, and we kind of want to hang with our friends and family now. Um, but that's honestly the only thing that I would have done differently. I, otherwise, everything was pro- absolutely perfect.
0: Nice. What kind of stateroom did you get for this for
1: this cruise? By the we way, we got we got an ocean view balcony. It was lovely. Even spotted dolphins off it the last day. Uh. Yeah. Um, And they, along with the embarkation, embark on romance package, um, we got stateroom decorations as well. So, you know, we went out to dinner and came back that night to our room being decorated and rose petals on the bed and stuff like that. Um, We also got a mimosa breakfast in bed for one morning. Yes. And a meal at a specialty restaurant and um, chocolate-covered strawberries and a bottle of champagne in her room as well.
0: Wow, yeah. that's, not, that's not bad at all. I like that. It sounds like a no. great way to spend it. And yeah. um, did, um, one of the other questions we get a lot often, people are maybe, whether you're getting married or not, but at least doing their honeymoon on a cruise, mm-hmm. is uh, did, were there any, you mentioned some of the special things, like some of the things that were delivered to your room and, and, and mm-hmm. special things like that. Did, you, did the crew take notice of your special occasion?
1: Um, the day of when I was walking around mustard drill in my dress.
0: Yes. <laughs> did you really do that?
1: <laughs> but I didn't have time to change, you know? <laughs> I did. I totally went to mustard drill in, uh, in my dress. It was awesome. Well, you know what? Um,
0: you're actually getting more use out of it. A lot of people, you know, most times the, time the exactly. wedding dress is only is for the ceremony. So why not?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so other than that, not a heck of a lot, honestly. And that's okay, um, you know. If it it didn't really matter to us at that point.
0: Sure, makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking, uh, you, you had the you had the ceremony, you had the uh, event. Obviously, how long? By the mm-hmm. way, how long was the uh, the reception? How does that work?
1: Okay, so the whole schedule of events for the day of is you show up at the port at ten a.m. You, um, your guests, everyone, uh, the non-sailing guests go to the visitor's area. They meet you inside. You are onshore coordinators who are amazing, then escort us all on board. So then that happened about 10, 11 o'clock or so. Okay. And then at 1130, um, they put out bagels and cream cheese and all that stuff uh, in Dazzles for all the guests While I was getting dressed and Gordon was getting dressed. Um, And they get two staterooms ready for you at that time. One for the groom, one for the bride. And then at noon is a ceremony. And then everything happens after that. So everyone is able to to stay on the ship until about 2.45 for the non-sailing guests or so. And then they had to be off.
0: Nice. I, I mean, it sounds like an incredible opportunity. And, you know, like I said, we had our honeymoon on, on a real Caribbean cruise, but mm-hmm. having the opportunity to do the wedding on there, I mean, I saw Beth's photos already, and they are fabulous. And it's like, Thank you know, you. I mean, just the the backdrops alone, I mean, it's just like, you know, they, they make for awesome photos. And I think I know exactly why you wanted Dazzles, because it's that yes, uh, two-deck overlooking the boardwalk view. I mean, that's just, you, you can't beat that. I don't care mm-hmm. what... You know, what local place you've got at home. I mean, that's just an amazing view right there.
1: Absolutely. And um, I'm on this Royal Caribbean Bride Facebook group. And people are like, oh, did you take decorations? I'm like, no. I didn't need them. You know, the (laughs) venue was plenty.
0: There you go. Awesome. Well, Beth, thank you so much for for talking with us here. Actually, wait a minute. Before I let you go, hang on a second. This is your... I think you may have been on a podcast like briefly in like a like a talking capacity. Anyway, this is your first featured appearance on the Real Caribbean Woohoo! Blog podcast, so I want to make sure. Well, let our you know let our audience get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise on Real Caribbean. You ready for this? Absolutely. All right. Uh, since you sailed on Harmony of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Harmony for the first time?
1: You can't fit it all in, so have the highlights ready to go of what you can't miss.
0: Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship?
1: 150 Central Park.
0: Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise?
1: Ooh. um, You know, I'm going to go with a cucumber martini at the Central Park as well.
0: Ooh, I like that. So good. Or whatever Josh is drinking, right? (laughs) That's (laughs)
1: Uh <laughs> that's <laughs> also an option or whatever the Bionic Bar wants to make me. Make me I'm I'm ooh, I, that like too. That. I like <laughs> that.
0: Uh favorite port of call the visit.
1: Ooh, Lobbity
0: There you go. And uh, what's your favorite song on the radio, iPod, whatever today?
1: Uh Michael Fronte's Life is Better With You. Ironic also our wedding song. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. All right, Beth. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and sharing with us your wedding experience. And once again, congratulations. Uh,
1: thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right. It's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the show where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog inbox and answer your emails about really anything real Caribbean-related. Oftentimes, these are questions about upcoming cruises, but sometimes we talk about previous episodes, uh, things that are happening in Real Caribbean news, and basically everything else in between. So, of course, if you want to send me your email, you can do so by emailing mattmattc at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week is actually from Angie, who writes, your recent podcast on cruising in Europe was great. We're traveling on Vision of the Sea's 12-night Mediterranean cruise in September, and I've had a hard time finding a lot of information on Mediterranean cruises. This podcast was helpful for sure. Would it be possible to ask on a podcast or a live chat on Periscope or Facebook for anyone traveling this spring or summer on that same cruise, send in their cruise compasses so we can post them at Royal It would be very helpful to have a current cruise compass. The most recent one I could find on your page is from May of 2018 on the brilliance of the seas. Angie, absolutely. I echo your your sentiments. Of course, if anybody's going on any Royal Caribbean cruise and can take the opportunity to share with us a copy of their cruise compass, that would be awesome. All you really have to do is just take photos of it with your phone. You don't have to do anything crazy. I mean, you can bring it home and scan it in if, you, if you'd like to. Uh, but honestly, if you just put the, the cruise compass down on, on a bed or something and take a photo of the activity sheets, that's pretty much all you need to do. And that way, when you get home, you can email them over. And, you know, the other thing, Angie, though... Is even one a cruise compass from perhaps a year ago or so will still give you a baseline, a ballpark idea of what to expect in terms of activities on board. I mean, it's not obviously the the movies they're going to show are going to be different, and the entertainment's going to be different. But it the real benefit to it is it gives you a pretty good idea of like how often is a you know this particular type of entertainment offered. You know what kind of times are usually seeing. They don't mix up even from year to year. They don't really re-engineer times when you're talking about you know a particular ship in Europe especially uh, one year over another they kind of just go from the mold and don't try to reinvent the wheel every single time so you know don't feel bad about a cruise compass that may be a year or two old it still gives you at least a ballpark idea but certainly Angie I totally understand why you'd want something more recent and as these Royal Caribbean ships arrive in Europe for their summer season it certainly would be wonderful to be able to share as much as we can. All right, next email is from Lisa from Chicago. writes, I love the podcast. I've been on five Royal Caribbean cruises and agree that Royal Caribbean is the only way to go. I've convinced my cousin and his wife, who are hardcore Norwegian Cruise Line fans, to come on Oasis of the Seas with my boyfriend and I. This is my first time on an Oasis class ship. Freedom of the Seas usually has my heart. And I'm hoping it's a great experience for my guests who are first-time Royal Caribbean cruisers. I've read mixed reviews that Oasis offers a very different experience than Freedom, but I'm excited to try it myself. My question for you is, what are some fun, short excursions for San Juan, Puerto Rico? Our ship leaves the port at 2 p.m., so I'm hesitant to book an excursion. We'll have such a little time, but I still want to experience San Juan. What do you think is the best? Thanks again for all your hard work on the show. Lisa, great question. First of all, disregard all those reviews. Don't worry about that. You're going to have an awesome time. On Oasis of the Seas. It is a fabulous, fabulous Royal Caribbean ship. And you know what? Going from Freedom Class is different than the Freedom Class. Of course it is. But that's not a bad thing. It's just a different kind of experience. I think you're going to have a great time. Certainly going to lend itself towards what you've already built on Freedom of the Seas. And if you like Freedom, I think you're going to love Oasis, quite honestly. Now, things to do in Old San Juan. San Juan is a great port to visit. And it's actually really good for this kind of time. I know it's a weird time. I've been on this, this kind of itinerary as well. But Old San Juan, you don't need any excursions. Don't even bother with them. All you got to do is get off the ship as soon as you can in the morning and walk around. Old San Juan is really very easy to navigate on foot. You don't need a formal excursion. There's so many things to do on there. Uh, a couple things you want to keep in mind. Number one, there's a complimentary shuttle or trolley, whatever you want to call it, that will take you from just outside the port area up to the Spanish forts, which are essentially on the top of the hill. Old San Juan is built on a hill, and your cruise ship dock is at the bottom of the hill, and the forts are on the top of the hill. And it's kind of an uphill, well, you know, walk. Very easy to do. But, you know, make your life easier. Why not? Or if you have mobility issues, this is really important. You can take this complimentary trolley up there, and that way you can avoid having to do a lot of uphill walking to start your day off with. But you can see the Spanish Fort. That's a big thing right there that you want to see and do. And speaking of the Forts, by the way, admission into one fort gets you into both Forts uh, at the same for the same day, it's actually good for about a week or so. Uh, so, if you buy admission to El Moro, you can get to San Cristobal for the same rate. There's no you don't have to pay anything extra to see both of them, so you may as well see both. They're very easy to walk between, actually, and they're quite impressive. Other things you want to see and do uh, San Juan gate is really nice, it's the only remaining gate of the six original massive wooden doors that essentially allowed passage into old San Juan. Back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean a couple centuries ago. It's really nice, it's right by the waterfront, it's beautiful, great photos over there. You also want to check out the Paseo de la Princesa, which is a beautiful area, kind of near your cruise ship docks, and between there and the San Juan Gate... It is a, uh, a, a tree-lined promenade that's just great for walking. Again, it's, it's a beautiful area to see. You definitely got to do that. Also, in your old San Juan, you got to check out some of the great food they have all around town. You know, whether you're eating local San Juan cuisine or not, there's so many great places to enjoy. Pina Colada, uh, grab a quick bite to eat. It's really nice, and there's so many great places there as well. Uh, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of great things to do in Old San Juan. But really, the name of the game for you is to just explore. Get lost. Because even if you get totally turned around in Old San Juan, you have no idea where you are, the bottom line is all you have to do is start walking downhill, and you'll literally run into the cruise ship. So, very easy to navigate. Our next email comes to us from uh, let's see here Heather from Las Vegas who writes I want to let you know how our latest trip on Oasis of the Seas went and also have a question regarding Anthem of the Seas first the trip summary the very first thing we did when we boarded was uh, find an adventure ocean and enroll our daughter there our daughter was five years old at the time of the sailing but is, a very, is very social and has been in daycare settings since she's been six months old so when we enrolled her in Adventure Ocean they let her bump into the six to eight year old class which is called Explorers so for other parents don't be afraid to ask to bump up this was a wonderful thing as she loved doing all the activities that the older kids did and would have been really bored in Aquanauts every morning she could not wait for the kids club to open and we often had to, <laughs> had to beg her to spend time with us every night on a waste of the season with the exception of every day they have kids meals at 5pm and once she found out about that. She could eat with her friends. She couldn't wait to go. The way we worked our schedule out is that she went to the kids' club in the morning and evening sessions, and we would spend the afternoons with us. There were so many family activities on board that no child would ever be bored, even if they chose not to enroll in Adventure Ocean. I can't tell you how many times she rode the carousel. That had to be one of the highlights of the trip for her. And the fact that they had family festivals a couple of times during the cruise on the boardwalk was such a fun time for all of us. The weather was on the cool side, so we only went swimming two times while on board, but she loved the kids' area of the pool. For us as parents, we loved the fact that they had a kid's pool that she could swim in by herself while we watched from the chairs nearby. The water was rather cold as the pools aren't heated, but as a kid, she didn't really seem to mind. One of the activities she still talks about to this day was the pirate performance that the Explorers did on the Royal Promenade. As a parent, it was so much fun seeing her joyfully doing all the pirate things that Captain Gummy Bear had them doing. Another activity that she tried while on the ship was ice skating. Our daughter probably plays ice hockey, so she couldn't wait to get on the ice. However, after about the third time she fell, I realized that she had on figure skates. And when I tried to get her on the hockey skates, they didn't have any in her size. They started playing hockey uh, skates of size 1. She went back and finished the session, but we didn't go back again due to this. However, for most kids, I don't think the figure skates will deter them from going on. Just our hockey-playing daughter. Our daughter also elected to stay on board while we were in port for two of the stops. We gave her the choice to come with us, but she chose Adventure Ocean over walking around with her mom and dad, go figure. I just can't wait. I just can't say enough good things about the staff at Adventure Ocean, especially everyone there is so fabulous. I tell everyone I know that it is the perfect vacation for families because kids get their own kid time, as adults get their own adult time, and we all come together for family time. As far as the port stops, we went to St. Martin, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Labadee. In St. Martin, my husband and I took a cab from the port to Marigo in hopes for to eat breakfast. Due to the recent hurricanes, Marigold hasn't bounced back like the Dutch side has, so many of the shops and restaurants there are, have not reopened yet. But we did find a little place called e Knots. Not sure how to spell it, but it sounded it out. At where we had the best Johnny Cakes. This little place was one of those that once they sold out of something, it was off the menu. After spending a little time in Merigo, we took another cab to Maho Beach to watch the airplanes. We had a drink at the Sunset Bar and then headed over to Phillipsburg to shop. It was an enjoyable time for us to spend some adult time together. In San Juan, my husband and I just enjoyed walking all over Old San Juan. We walked to El Moro where we met a volunteer who showed us around the cannon preservation project they were doing. This was located to the left of the actual historical site. We asked that volunteer where a good place to have Mofungo was, and he directed us to Berencina, which is like the place that claims to invent the pina colada. But the Mofungo and pina colada were delicious. In Labadie, I had arranged for our daughter and I to do the Arawak Aqua Park. It looked like a lot of fun, but it was certainly very tiring. After our session was up, I was so tired that all I wanted to do was go back to the ship and take a nap. Our daughter enjoyed it, but next time we go back, I don't think we'll do it again, primarily because I didn't have as much fun as the kid did. My husband won't go into the ocean, so that leaves me to do all the water activities. There was so much to do in Labadee, I can't wait to go back and explore it some more. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a little rundown of the fabulous time that we had. This is our first time on an Oasis-class ship. And we were amazed at all the activities we had, which leads to my question about Anthem of the Seas, her sister ship Ovation of the Seas, since we have cruises booked in the future for both ships. Do they have a lot for kids to do every night on their ships, too? I'm starting to plan our next two adventures, so if it's available, I know when our schedule we can get our adult dinners in. Thank you for the podcast. I listen to all I'm at work, and it gives me a little escape to paradise each week. Keep up the good work. Heather, thank you for the email. And I'm so glad to hear that you had an awesome time on board. And it really, Heather, your experience with your daughter is exactly how my kids have been. We went into cruising when they got old enough for Adventure Ocean. And they were a little hesitant. about I was hesitant. But I didn't know it was going to work. And they love it. We often have to, like convince them, bribe them even to leave Adventure Ocean, especially for port excursions. But you hit the nail on the head, Heather. It is an opportunity for the kids to have fun. It's an opportunity for us to have fun. And I'll tell you, it's great for like, you know, mornings on sea days when the kids want to go to, we they call it camp, but they go to Adventure Ocean and my wife and I can enjoy some time by ourselves, walking around the ship, sitting by the pool, sitting in the solarium, whatever it is, going to trivia, just being, we all get to do, you know, our, our own thing, but still have family time together. So I absolutely agree. Now, anthem of the season the quantum class how does that kind of compare to the oasis class very well in fact the quantum class and the oasis class offer the most for families and kids to do on board their ships they have a ton of space a ton of activities Uh, their adventure ocean spaces are among the largest in the fleet so if you like that on oasis class you're gonna love it on anthem and innovation by the same token you know it's obviously a different setup But uh, from an Adventure Ocean standpoint, everything you just listed over there, what you liked about it for a family aspect, you're going to have that just as well on the Quantum Class, so no issues there whatsoever. You know, you're going to have a kid's pool area, you're going to have the adult pool area. In fact, what I like about the... Anthem, uh, and certainly this is true on Ovation as well, is there's the main pool, right? The main outdoor pool. There's also the indoor pool. And I like the indoor pool pool a lot better. The reason why, number one, it's climate controlled. So no matter what the weather is outside, if it's really hot outside, it's just nice inside the indoor pool. If it's cold, well, it's still warm in the indoor pool. So it's always perfect swimming temperature in there. And it's not nearly as crowded as the main outdoor pool, unless it's very cold out then everybody's in the indoor pool. But it's a great family pool experience. I think you're going to like that quite a bit. Uh, and that's my go-to place, quite honestly, because, again, it's easier to get a seat there, I feel. And I don't mind it at all. It's really nice being able to hang out there. So, uh, yeah, Heather, you pick some really good ships. You're going to have an awesome time with your family on there. And I'm so glad to hear you had an awesome time on Oasis. Obviously, that question we just had earlier about that. There you go. Proof is in the pudding. Our next email is from Marianne, who writes, Hi, Matt. I recently found your podcast, and I'm binge listening. But we have a ways to get caught up. I have a couple questions, and I'm hoping that they are not ones you have recently answered. But here goes. We're still going to lure the seas uh, very soon. We've not cruised on Royal Caribbean in 20 years, so we know a lot has changed. Our main concern is the disembarkation procedure. The flight we would like to take home leaves Fort Lauderdale at 9.45 a.m. The next available flight doesn't leave until the afternoon, giving us a whole day of sitting around somewhere. If we take our own luggage off with us, what do you think we could do in terms of leaving the ship? Is there someone on the ship we could speak with so that we are in the first group? I thought I read somewhere that they start disembarkation around 7, which should give us plenty of time. What are your thoughts? All right, let's start with that question. This is a really common question. So disembarkation, you can always leave the ship on your own, Marianne. You don't need a group necessarily if you're willing to bring your own luggage off the ship. And if you want to be on the first off the ship, this is really the only way to go about it. You don't even want to be in group one. You want to bring your own stuff. It's kind of a hassle, but you're. it's the best way to get off the ship first. Now, 9.45 a.m. is really early, and the problem is Royal Caribbean can't guarantee what time you'll actually be able to disembark. The reason being, when your ship gets back to any port, in this case, Fort Lauderdale, Port Everglades, you're, the ship is going to be inspected by the U.S. by the U.S. Uh, Customs. And what that means is they've got to inspect the ship. Sometimes this is very quick. Sometimes it's very long. There's no way to know in advance definitively what's the best thing to do. Can you... Is it theoretically possible to make that nine forty five a.m. flight? Yes. Have other people done that in the past? Yes. Is it a good idea? Ugh, that depends. Would I do it? No. It's too early. Would you more than likely be able to make it? Yes. I just don't need that kind of that kind of issues in my life. That kind of anxiety. Right. Uh, generally speaking, Royal Caribbean tells people in nothing before noon. That I think anything before eleven is in that danger zone. Right. 11 a.m. you can make, because, of course, the airport in Fort Lauderdale is literally across the street from the terminal. So It's not like you have to get anywhere. It's not like there's traffic in the way. It's just a matter of how fast can you get off the ship. Now, if you have no luggage, you know, or you bring your own luggage on board, that makes a whole lot easier. I mean, more than likely, you'll be off the ship around, I mean, the ship can be cleared. I've seen the ship cleared as early, 730. I've seen the ship cleared as late. I mean, sometimes after transatlantic, not until, you know, 9 or 10. But, you know, realistically, I think it's usually in that... 8, 8.30 time frame, which again, could you make the flight? Yes. Would you have a lot of anxiety? Would you be sweating and, and kind of nervous? Yes. And I don't know how that how you feel about that. Marianne, of course, I don't know if you have kids. You know, if it was just you, Marianne, or maybe you and, and a friend or a spouse, another adult, no kids, that's a lot easier than you've got kids and a whole lot of other stuff. I know, the, the of course, the other problem is you don't want to sit around Fort Lauderdale all day. I totally understand that. I just don't know what your risk tolerance is and how comfortable you are with with this you know getting to the you know your your the the airport uh, potentially an hour or so or even less before your flight it theor- look in all on in probably in in statistically speaking you probably may be able to make the flight i just don't know that i can recommend it as a good idea just because if it were me i wouldn't do it personally I have friends who do this all the time, and they'll swear up and down that they've done it all the time, but it's a whole different ballgame because, A, they're used to it. B, I think a lot of these people often travel solo, which makes it a whole lot easier. And three, uh, you know, there's some fallback options, or they're okay with this idea of potentially having to change flights later on, you know, if it doesn't work out. Again, if if it were me, I would look at it. I mean, I don't know if you have other options. I mean, consider also, Marianne, maybe a flight out of Miami because Miami is very close to... Fort Lauderdale and you might get a much easier flight to make, you know, something that's a little bit later in the morning or early afternoon might be a lot more uh, manageable. Certainly another airline or even flying into another airport closer to your house. I'm not sure where you live, but if there's another airport in the area, perhaps that's a better option for you. These are all options you might want to consider, but again, I think it's going to boil down to, you know, if if you're not cleared until 8:30, which which has happened to me one time, you know, is <laughs> What are you going to do? Are you going to be okay with it? You'd probably still make the flight, but you're going to have some anxiety about it. And that's not, this is outside of Royal Caribbean's purview, don't forget. This is U.S. Customs. There's literally nothing Royal Caribbean can do to assure you or promise you anything. It's just, you know, here's what historically it's been. It's like predicting the weather based on what it rained last week. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a baseline, but not necessarily any uh, means of which to know definitively what's going to happen in the future. Now, Marianne, second question is, about my time dining. So she writes, if we pick 5.30 to 7.30, do we have to arrive at 5.30? The reason I'm asking is that the first day we've reserved ice games for 5.00 to 5.45, which means we may not get to the dining room until at least 6.00. Will they still seat us? Also, we would like to a table for just the two of us. How and when do we request that? So, good question. So for when you pick my time dining, yes, if you pick a 5.30 to 7.30 time, then the the reason that time basically means you're going to arrive at 5.30 and your dinner theoretically is supposed to last two hours. It doesn't really, but that's what they put down there. So, uh, in your case, if the you're not going to get there to 6, you should pick a 6 o'clock timer a little bit later in order to make it there. There is a bit of a window, but I don't think it's quite 30 minutes. So your better bet, Marianne, is to change your dining time for that particular day from 5.30 to something later. 6, 6.30, 7, whatever you're comfortable with. Just always know, even if it's 7 o'clock, who cares? Just go have a, have a pre-dinner drink after the show. Uh, Marianne's next question is about the deluxe drink package, a.k.a. the old unlimited alcohol package. Marianne writes: We're probably going to be purchasing it before the cruise to get a better price. Since the mini bar is not included, can we ask a room steward to empty it so we can so they can we can stock it with things we like, like bottled water, fruit juice, etc.? Can you bring food back to your room to put it in the mini bar? Does the nature do the nature of the jobs? We are early risers, like 5 a.m. So it'd be nice to have, be able to send our balcony with some orange juice and maybe muffin or yogurt. All right, good qu- These are great questions, Marianne. So the couple things: Number one, in my experience, they've stopped stocking the mini fridge. By default, uh, what they actually end up doing is there's a form in your stateroom to actually request certain things. So, in my last couple of cruises, I know you're going on a lure of the seas, I expect your mini bar to be empty. That being said, the mini bar is not very good at keeping things really cold, it's more of a cooler than a refrigerator. Uh, they actually have a little advertisement about that. But certainly, yes, you can bring food back, put in your room, no problem at all. Uh, and certainly, you could stock it with a bottle of water. A lot of people like to do that as well. Fruit, you know. Uh, uh, it's not that it's not going to go bad. I wouldn't put dairy in there because dairy, you know, obviously can go bad over time. I don't want you to get sick. But bottled water, fruit, totally fine with that, especially for a day or so. The other thing you should also be aware of is for the early risers being 5 a.m., room service is complimentary if you do the continental breakfast option, which is basically coffee, uh, a muffin, a banana, nothing cooked. You know what I mean? Other than obviously the coffee. Uh, so you have that option. That's complimentary. So keep that in mind as an option for you. And Marion has one last question. She wants to know, if we purchase the internet package for one device, does that mean only one device at a time can be used, or is it specifically just for one device only? My husband would like to switch between his iPhone and iPad. Yes, it's between uh, one device at a time. So you can have unlimited devices, but only one of them can log in at a time. So basically, your husband can log in an iPhone, use that, log out, and then log in with the iPad and keep going back and forth. You can log in even if he lets you and go about it that way, so you'll have no problems there. Good questions, Marianne. Thank you for sending them in here. Let's move on to our next email. It is from. Who's. Oh, uh, sorry. Lori, AKA Grand Traveler. That's, Hi, Matt. I'm new to the podcast and love it. Sailing on the Oasis of the Seas, which voice over internet Wi Fi app do you use to make calls when on the ship? Leaving my husband home, but want to be able to contact him when necessary. I bought the VOOM package so I can stay connected. I heard you mention this on a recent podcast. Thanks for the hard work and keeping us educated. Ooh, good question. Lori, thank you for the email. So you want to be able to call home, but not, you know, use the internet connection. A couple of ways, I don't know what kind of phone you have. If you have a iPhone, or really, quite honestly, any phone that has a carrier that supports something called a Wi-Fi calling, you can actually do it natively. Um, This is something that most major carriers support now. Uh, I know the iPhone supports it, and basically any new phone should be able to support this as well. But essentially what this means is you put your phone in airplane mode, and then you have to enable in your phone settings Wi-Fi calling. What this allows the phone to do is make a phone call over Internet instead of using the cellular signal. So basically your phone's in airplane mode, the Wi-Fi is turned on, and you can still make calls. And in most phones, you'll know it's working because when next to your bar's, you will see something that says, like, ATT Wi-Fi or Verizon Wi-Fi or something to that effect. And then you can do, you can test this at home, in fact. You don't have to do this now. Or wait for the ship, rather. You can just put your phone in airplane mode, connect. You do have to activate it. You should activate it before you get on the cruise ship. So, again, test this out at home. You should be sure you able to do that. If you don't have that option or you have an older phone or you just, whatever, in the case maybe your character doesn't support it, there's a lot of great apps that are out there. Skype has been doing it forever. You can use WhatsApp. Uh, you can use uh, Facebook Messenger. A lot of these are are really key, especially if your husband is willing to use an app on his end. You know, like if he puts on his phone a particular app like WhatsApp or Facebook, you can then con- you can do like basically a a data call from device to device rather than device to phone. Which will also be, by the way, device to device will be free, whereas device to phone can cost you extra. If you're using your Wi-Fi calling though, that should be included, have no additional cost to it, so you're good on that aspect. But I use Wi-Fi calling primarily. If I'm in a bind or I'm trying to make an international call, I will use Skype because it's significantly cheaper than using my my carrier's international rates. But that's basically how I roll. And uh, hopefully that answers your question there, Lori. And of course, uh, if you have any more follow-ups, I'll be happy to answer that. Just post them in our comments on our show notes at Let's answer. We've got more time here. I love this. Let's answer some more questions. We've got an email from Chris in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, who writes, a couple of years ago, I was recovering from a cancer removal surgery. And as I lay there recovering, I thought of some places I would love to visit if I were healthy and able to travel. Lo and behold, Australia and New Zealand popped into my head of places I haven't been to yet. So now that I'm healthy again and wanted to make my dream a reality, I looked into costs. And as I'm looking about, uh, always maximizing time and budget, the one thing that ca- the the one thing that costs the most and ate up the budget was transportation, food, and hotels. I stumbled upon cruises around New Zealand, and sure enough, there was uh, there was a, quite a plenty. I thought to myself, boy, a cruise could definitely be within a budget and take care of the food, hotel, and transportation. I researched further and came upon your blog and podcast, and I've been listening ever since. I especially connected with your podcast about sailing in Australia with Pippa. I'm now looking forward to booking a cruise in November 2019 as soon as they're released. Your podcast has me hooked, and I'm always looking forward to it walking to work or while cooking dinner. I know the Royal Caribbean has a newer ship in Australia market like the Ovation of the Seas, along with others, but I do have a few questions about Royal Caribbean and the Ovation of the Seas. Question number one, does traditional dining start uh, before my time dining? For example... We would like to always eat it at 6 p.m., so it would be better for us to have traditional dining with set seating or my time dining and reserve it every day. Is it at the time of booking or like 90 days before the cruise online? I'd like to do just the two of us sit at our sit-down table. How would I go about this for both traditional and my time? I remember on a previous podcast, you had mentioned something about going to the main dining room right when you get on board to reserve your spot. Does this still ring true? Uh, Chris, thank you for the email. Let's jump into this. Oh, no, uh, your email also reminded me. Somebody else asked me this question, and I completely forgot to answer it previously, about requesting a table for two. So let's uh, talk about this. In terms of my time dining, I think my time actually starts a little before traditional. I think you maybe like half an hour before. But I prefer traditional. If you're going to eat there all at the same time, you may as well just do traditional dining. The advantage of my time dining is you can mix it up. I think really, if you're going to take advantage of my time dining, you should be mixing it up as much as you can, like you know, maybe one day it's at 6, one day it's at 9, one day it's at 5.30, you know, you, you kind of move it around a little bit. Now, certainly you can do My Time Dining for all at the same time, maybe you like eating at 7 o'clock, right, and you can do 7 o'clock every night of the cruise, what you should do, first of all, you select your preference between My Time Dining and Traditional Dining at the time of reservation, so you book the cruise, that's one of the options you've got to select, and certainly your travel agent will be able to do this for you. Now, if you do traditional dining, nothing to do. It's all set for you. If you're doing my-type dining, you need to book it. You can book it in advance, and I recommend you do it in advance. You don't have to do it in advance. You certainly show up to the restaurant on board the ship and go about it that way. Uh, it's up to you. Generally speaking, uh, I think it's easier or better if you do it in advance. Just, you know, make your life easier. You'll wait less because there's going to be two lines. One line for people with the reservations, one without. People with reservations get seated first. Now, if you're asking about how do you get a table for just the two of us with my time dining, basically, you have to make the request at the time. You're going to go to the podium and say, I'd like, you know, we're, uh, we're here. Uh, my name is Chris, and we've got uh, two. I wonder if we could have a table for two. They will try to seat you as soon as they can. It's subject to availability. So, you know, if you show up there and there was a table for six and they would have seated you there with some other folks, you would have been seated immediately. But by waiting for a table for two, you might, might have to wait a little bit longer. Might not. Who knows? And the weight may be marginal compared to, you know, the other one. So it depends. But you certainly can ask. If you're doing traditional dining, you can also request a table for two. There's actually an email you can send before your cruise uh, to make that request. But also, if you forget to do it or whatever, I still recommend going to talking to the head waiter on board the ship. Uh, on embarkation day, uh, usually in the afternoon, there is a set time where there will be a head waiter in the main dining room available to speak with. And you can say, hey, look, we're, you know... Table for, we'd like to have a table for two, and they can certainly arrange it. If you want to go ahead and email, it's probably a good idea. You can send the email to Dining at rccl.com. RclDining, all one word. RCL, like Royal Caribbean Line Dining, at rccl.com. About two to three weeks prior to your sailing with your request. So Make sure you put in there your name, your stateroom number, your reservation number, and let them know that you'd like to request, uh, obviously, the ship you're going on, which sailing date. Uh, what kind of re- table requests you'd like. That's among the best ways to go about it. Uh, let's see here. Chris has another question. When I book, I will get a $100 onboard credit for the non-refundable purchase. Does my purchase online cover gratuities for the main dining room? I asked because there was talk on my on some message boards about my time dining paying gratuities for reservations. Can the $100 credit onboard be applied to gratuities or is that $100 credit in during specialty restaurants, etc.? It's a really good question. For my time dining, you have to pre-book it. And my understanding is that gets hit on the reservation. Whereas, uh, if you did traditional dining, you can have the option of that the automatic gratuities coming off your reservation every day. So let me let me explain in case that wasn't quite clear. If you do tri- uh, my time dining, when you make the reservation, they're going to prepay the gratuities. Now, if you do traditional dining, you can have the option of prepaying the gratuities or. In your situation, you have that $100 onboard credit. What you can do is defer that and allow the gratu- or allow the automatic gratuity, I should say, just hit your account every day. So every day of your cruise, you're going to get a daily charge, and that will go against your CPaaS account. Remember, that $100 onboard credit is a, is a statement credit, okay? So you don't apply it to a particular purchase. It's just like a credit card. You know, you go home and you you do a refund, right? You get a money back on your credit card, and it's just a credit against your account. So certainly, that will offset your purchase, including the automatic gratuities that come onto your account. So I hope that answers your question there in terms of, but you know, I want to make it clear that you can't like apply the $100 armbar credit towards one thing or another. It's just a statement credit and it goes against your purchases, which include the automatic gratuity if you like to do it that way. Chris's third question is, as an airline aviation enthusiast, I always do my research on my next flight of where I'm going to sit, how much space it has and what it looks like. I usually go to a website like seatguru.com. Does the cruise world have any size like this to look at a specific cabin number on a specific ship, or do I have to click through a million photos hoping there's a cabin I want? The reason being is that I'm looking at a specific forward room on Deck 9 or 10, starboard side, on Ovation of the Seas, hoping that Ovation will return to Australia slash New Zealand. I'm curious if this area has any issues with the bridge sticking out and looking in on balconies. Is the balcony near the bridge overhang an issue? Do you feel that you're on display or being peeped into? Also, if I choose a balcony cabin, the same floor as Adventure Ocean is allowed with kids." a really good question. There are a couple websites that exist out there. Chris, I'll be honest, I don't think any of them are very good. Um, I, I feel like most of them just show you the generic photo. I think your best bet is exactly what you said. You Google the ship name plus your room number. Uh, certainly you can also do that to other ships in the same class because they're very similar, right? So if you're looking at Ovation of the Seas, you can do pretty much, you know, Quantum or Anthem of the Seas with the same room number and probably get a pretty good idea. Now keep in mind that regardless of what room you book, there's always curtains. So... While certainly there are some rooms that allow people, other guests, to potentially see into your room, right? Promenade rooms are one I can think of. Central Park balcony boardwalk rooms are all have the same issue as well. There's a curtain, so yeah, you can't strut around naked necessarily with the with the blinds open. But you know, uh, that's what curtains are for. And yeah, I think even at home, you probably do the same thing, right? Unless you live out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, which is entirely possible. I don't know. Uh, so uh, you know, th- there's that. Also, one other thing: if you're looking for a room kind of a long shot but you never know, go to YouTube. A lot of times people do uh, room tour videos and you might have some luck doing that. The other thing also is looking to look into other decks. A lot of times the, the layouts of, of decks are identical from one deck to another. So look at a deck above or below you and if it's the same layout, you might have some better luck finding a room that's similar to yours and get a decent idea of it. I mean, again, do I? does it bother me, these kinds of things, having potentially someone seeing into your room? No, because you have the curtains. And you have that option. Certainly, you know, when you're dressed and you just want to go enjoy the view or have some natural sunlight, have the curtains open. I mean, what are they going to see? You just sit around there reading your book? But, you know, between glare and... You know some other issues, I feel like it's not quite as prevalent as you might think, but again, you probably when you're taking a shower, you probably want to close those blinds, it's just a good idea. So, <laughs> and Chris's last question is I love looking at the cruise compass on your blog, but see, if there are not many for New Zealand sailings. Please encourage more listeners to send in their cruise compass for Ovation and room pictures. County until next to our cruise, thanks for sharing all of your knowledge on your podcast. All right, guys, you heard Chris, he needs some cruise compasses. You guys are this is true for every sailing, but. Uh, you know, if you're going on a cruise, would love to have your cruise compass posted on the website. All you have to do is just take those photos, like I said, of the cruise compass with your phone. It's pretty easy as long as they're readable. And then when you get home, email them to me, matt at realcriminblog.com. I would be happy to uh, show them here. I got time for one last email. It's from Mike Dinsmore. Where it's, matt, enjoyed your blog as always. We like uh, the itinerary. Looks like you had great weather on your recent cruise. Question We're cruising out of Port Liberty with our grandson in June. Have decided to stay at a hotel near the airport in Newark. There are some that offer park and cruise packages, but they seem expensive. How is the parking at Port Liberty? Have looked at the website but can't tell much about it except for the price. Is it a drop-off luggage and family and then park? Or is it close enough to park and pull luggage to terminal we usually pack pretty light? Mike, a great question. I would not hesitate to recommend parking at at the uh, port there in, in Cape Liberty in Bayonne. It is way easier. It's literally the parking terminal is adjacent to the cruise terminal, it's super simple. Uh, you can certainly uh-huh. drop off the kids and then and, and the luggage, and then just you basically exit the, the terminal area, make a quick right turn, you're in the in the, in the the parking garage, or you can, like you said, if you just want to go straight to the parking garage and park and bring your stuff down, it's very easy, very convenient, it is the way to go. And I agree that the park, the cruise and park packages are not only expensive, they're kind of far away, I don't recommend them in, in Newark, I just don't think they make a lot of sense, and especially considering the convenience factor of it. They built that brand new parking terminal near uh, the near the cruise terminal. I mean, it's literally right up against it. In fact, if you use the porters on your way out, they will bring the luggage right to your car. It's super simple. For the convenience factor alone, it's well worth your investment, Mike. So that's definitely the way to go. Thank you for the email, Mike. And thank you to everybody for the wonderful emails here. I love talking Royal with all of you guys. And if you have a question about Royal Caribbean that you want to send into the podcast, that's what I'm here for. Send it to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again
1: soon.